Missy D. Missy D. She's so talented, you know. Mm-hmm. another edition of the journal of missy d 3.0 i have the window open because it's it's humid we had that um whole summer the seven days of it that heat wave yes that was british summer 2023 and whilst i'm recording this today it's the day after the night before where we had the first day of rain so it's been raining uh, but it's got uh, what in Punjabi we would call hum, hum, hum. I always say hum, but it's hum. Hum is, oh, what's that? Oh, gosh. I swear, I think I'm, I'm losing my memory, honestly. It is um, humidity. That's the one. It's humid. So I'm, I'm dribbling with sweat. Uh, so I'm going to have to have the window open. So do forgive the background. Shh, shh, shh. Those are the cars driving past my house and buses. Not that we've got much traffic, actually. I live in quite a... A quite suburb, my dear. <laughs> uh, we are we are called an estate, but we're not like a council estate. It's mental, but is there's a debate because since I moved here in 1980, on our address we'd put bloody blah, blah blah estate. But if you look at the road signs for where I live, it's a nice part of Coventry, by the way. It doesn't have a state at the end of it, so I'm always saying to my mum, "Why do I add a state?" to the end of the area because it doesn't say it on the road signs and she swears blind it's got a state so i don't know <laughs> anyway how are you i hope you're well uh, this is episode i have no clue uh, you had double trouble mum and me which was a good one wasn't it that was good that was mummy bear being very honest and open and uncomfortable and raw and she was like i can't believe you made me say all those things but i'm like mum it's the journal of missy d it's about being open and honest and that's what double trouble mum and me is and honest honestly honesty i'm now actually learning a lot about honesty i find that a lot of people that i come across they find it difficult to be honest and I'm not saying they are liars and they are dishonest, but being honest about uh, their own lives, being honest about how they feel and being honest about um, what they really want in life and kind of most of them walking around living in denial. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's not like I'm saying, oh, are you, you're dishonest and you're a liar, pie, your pants on fire. It's more like... Gosh, why can't a lot of people in this world just be honest? And I know, I know, hand on heart, that my honesty has got me into a lot of trouble. A lot of people now have, not now, 
they've always called me like oh my god missy you're so honest and open and authentic and that's flip side one flip side two i've got my mother and my sisters yeah my sisters and my mother who who constantly say do you know what you're just too honest for your own good why do you put like even when you're shitting that you put it on facebook and you're telling everyone your business and uh, my mom's always going uh and that's punjabi like is it really uh important to tell everyone your life and i'm like well i'm not telling them my life because i want any kind of attention or anything because i don't honestly i don't but i don't find anything wrong in kind of sharing your life uh with the world um and but according to my mum if you tell everything to the whole world uh, then you can have budi nazar they can put evil eyes on you and it's bad to tell everyone your business and yeah okay i've got stung a few times by having told some people things openly and honestly and i learned from those mistakes right but 99% of the time i don't see anything wrong with it which brings me uh, nicely onto today's subject of taboo yeah i recently have been speaking to quite a few people and reading up not because i've deliberately gone out to read about it but they just keep popping up um wherever my you know social media is or on the googly and um all i keep hearing is this is a taboo subject uh and that is a taboo subject and south asians well they don't talk about it and i find that really really sad and really really annoying um because you know me right i cannot stand control i've always been like that from day one you know if someone i worked for in any capacity and mostly my life was in radio as you know so i'm just looking to see if i'm not going to trample over the dog with my wheelie chair yeah my job was in radio and you know i've been very very honest about how my life has been in the british asian radio industry it has been brutal it's been awful it's been it's been abusive and i have no qualms in telling the world do you know what i mean but you know it's taboo to talk about these things and oh my god missy d's been so open and and you know how dare she tell everyone how shit the radio industry is it's not all shit it's not all shit but the the management behind most of these radio stations is it's contrived it's disgraceful and it's a power driven chauvinistic industry it's probably the best way to say it. so why did i just start on the radio industry Oh yeah, I was talking about control. So every workplace that I've worked for, they've always controlled me and bullied me and treated me like shit and paid me crap money and taken sucked my blood out of me, taken hours and hours and hours of my time and treated me like shit. Like for one instance, right? I can remember really clearly. Um I was booked to do a DJ night. Um and the promoters they paid me a lot of money and that was off my own back it wasn't like through my radio station it was because i got booked they approached my manager yeah i had a manager at that i did i had a manager <laughs> those were good days they were good days i had a pa I had a manager and um so they approached my manager they booked me to dj uh, at the midnight slot the midnight slot was always the top slot where people stayed just to listen to the best <clears throat> dj <laughs> 
I swear to God. Sometimes it makes me, it makes me laugh when I look, think back and think the best DJ. Are you joking me? There were so many much better DJs than me. I was more of a radio presenter, but it comes kind of with the job, doesn't it? Really, it, you're expected kind of if you're in radio to DJ, to host, to do stage shows, to um, do public speaking, to to do all of that. It just comes like a package, really. So I wouldn't say. <laughs> I really wouldn't say I was one of the best DJs at all, especially in that era, because there were so many better DJs than me. But I was a very popular DJ and a lot of people wanted Missy to DJ on the top slots. So that's what I did. Those shushy, shushy things at the back are quite strong, aren't they? But anyway, yeah, so I got the top slots. And I remember they booked us a limo. They booked us a limousine, a Hummer. It was a Hummer limousine to pick me up from my, actually not my, my house. At that point, I didn't have any rental accommodation because I'd newly come back to Club Asia. I had left and then I'd come back um, and I was still looking for a place to live. So in the interim period, I was staying with a friend of mine. So they picked up, picked me up and her up, my manager. And uh, actually my, my friend was my manager, but you know, she was taking uh, a cut from my wages. So she was actually officially my official manager, but also friend. So got to the club and got on to do my work and stuff whatever time the thing the only worst thing about DJing is you you have to be a late latif is what I call it so we rocked up around like 11 30 I mean that's normally my bed bedtime nowadays but in those days I was like yeah yeah we're going clubbing and so 11 30 get there and as you do you've got a rider and a lot of people still don't know what riders are riders are basically what celebrity log have celebrity people yeah like myself <laughs> I don't like calling myself a celebrity. You know I've got this issue. But anyway, celebs get riders. And on riders, you just tell them what you want. So, um, which I really think is just so far-fetched. I mean, these celebrities are getting paid so much money. And if you're on the top slots, you're getting paid 10 times more than what an average person would be getting, right? So you're getting paid shit loads, shit loads of money. And on top of that, you get the rider. So it's a bit like, oh God, this person is God. What would they like? And you just go, right, I want a Verve Clicquot champagne and I want oysters and I only eat um, uh, my food from, I don't know, um, some top notch restaurant in London. I want dim sum from, I don't know, blah, de, blah, de, blah place. And uh, Missy will only have uh, this drink and she would like this, 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 this in her room she'd like some perfume she'd like some oranges um she'd like a robe you can bloody ask for anything and they're like yeah yeah no problem we get it for you and i only want that remember was it perrier water oh when i was younger and uh i used to think oh my god you're so bosh they drink this i'm sure it's called perrier p-e-r-r-i-e-r water and it'll be in a glass bottle. And I was also fascinated that this was posh water. So you'd be like really rocking it if you got the Perrier water in your cabin. Yeah? Cabin would be cabin is. So let's say if you were doing an outdoor event, you get the cabins at the back, like the, um, oh, I mean, they're not even glamorous. They're just like little metal boxes and they glam it all out for you inside. Put a sofa in there and TV in there and music in there and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so yeah, a rider. So I had my rider and it was Verve Clicquot champagne because I absolutely love Verve Clicquot. I, when I learned to drink champagne, 
uh, Verve Clico was the one that clicked with me. Moe Chandon. It's a little bit appley tasting to me and a bit flatty bubbles. Verve Clico of crisp, crisp bubbles, crisp champagne. Beautiful. Laurent Perrier all day along, uh, rosé especially. But I mean, who can afford these champagnes nowadays? Cost of living crisis. Mate, Verve Clico the other day, I went to Tesco. It wasn't the Tesco, was it? Yeah, Tesco's. It looks like the bottle's been desized with everything in this world, right? And then £79. Seven, I mean, the same size as a normal Prosecco bottle that you'd buy for £6.99, £7.99, £5. Me and my sister always finding the £5.50 ones no more than £6.50. You bought £8.99, £9 one. That's it. That's way too much. <laughs> Is it Frischnet? Frischnet. £10 a bottle. Forget that. Are you crazy? I can get two. <laughs> But yeah, the, 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 those were days when, I mean, now it's £79. Back in those days, it, it was about £52, £53 for a bottle of Verve Clico. And I didn't bat an eyelid. I bought bottle after bottle after bottle. Not just for me, uh, for people that had come around and stuff like that. Because it was the done thing. Why? Because you're the celebrity and you've been given that you've been given that uh, ticket to celebrity dumb. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, going back to that drama about the power, right? So I have my uh, um, tab of champagne and uh, VIP seating, everything set up for me on the decks. All I had to do was rock up and start doing the whole usual um, DJ set. Every single DJ set that I played, it all started off with Dose Dose Pyar Kia Dushmano Se Badlalia Jobi Kia Hamne Kia and that was my stamp uh so as soon as i started playing that the whole crowd would be like Whoa, missy missy just about to start her set <laughs> so there are two things i was identified with this one didn't really blow up that much but i know i used to start every set with that but the hot sweet sticky jalebi is what blew up all across london and globally i reckon because uh, Anytime I'm greeted by any fan at any point, even today, the first thing they will say is, oh, Missy D, hot, sweet, sticky delivery. And if you don't understand what our hot, sweet, sticky delivery is, it's just it was just how I addressed my listeners as um, being hot, sweet and sticky, just like a delivery. A delivery is an Indian sweet. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that for those listeners that are not South Asian and don't know, you know, uh, don't know much about the culture and stuff, because I've told you this a million times. There's just not Asian people that listen to my podcast. You know, I have plenty of non-Asians across the world uh, that listen. So thank you very much for listening. So the set would start and uh, I did my thing. And then I, some guys in the corner were kind of like waving Missy, 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 really youngish boys. I didn't like the kind of way they were they were kept looking over laughing nudging each other and i was like this is there's not there's something not right with them lot anyway i just carried on because i'm a professional did my set and stuff and they kept sending champagne over so i kept drinking it and then i remember drinking the champagne and then about i, I couldn't tell you realistically how long but all of a sudden boom I can't remember anything. Everything's gone dark. And uh, the next thing I know is that I wake up in my friend's house in my bedroom because I was um, not, not renting with her, but I was staying there until I was finding my own flat. And it was like 10.30 in the morning. 
Now, bear in mind, I did the breakfast show and I need to be at the radio station for about 4.35 to produce and get ready for the show. I didn't wake up. So basically what happened in a nutshell is I got spiked. Uh, luckily, the manager was there. But she said, you just started acting really weird. Uh, you you couldn't even DJ. Some other person had to take over. They had to immediately pull out the chauffeur for the the limousine that I had. And then they had to get me home. I was projectile vomiting all the way through out of the window. Poor, poor limousine. <laughs> uh, somehow she got me into bed. And uh, by the time I opened my eye and looked at my mobile phone, in those days, I think it was a BlackBerry. I had a BlackBerry phone then. Oh, there was not like one missed call. There was hundreds, hundreds of missed calls from my managers. And clearly, just by you telling me the story, I was spiked by a horrible group of boys. I know it was them and they thought it was funny, which wasn't funny because what happened is I called my manager and who was just screaming down the phone. You're so irresponsible. You could have told us you're not going to make it to work. I'm like, hold on a minute. This isn't deliberate. I, I don't even I just got up. I don't even know where I was. I could have been killed, raped, anything. But you're more bothered about your bloody show. What about me? Have you asked me if I'm OK? I got spiked last night and she was like, don't bother coming back to the station. You've been uh, suspended. Can you fucking believe it? Fucking beep suspended me without even asking it took me three four days to get out of bed uh properly uh because um, i was in so much pain and my brain was all fogged up i went to the doctors and i think two days later and he said it's too late to get a blood test now to show the, the spiking of the blood but um he believed that what happened was spiking right so and there's the obligatory obligatory phone call that you always get when I'm on a podcast. And actually, I can tell you, it's my it's my Pupuji and Pupuji. My mum will pick up the phone on the other side. So she was like, you've been suspended for seven days without pay. Can you believe that? I'm just telling you, this is a very tiny snippet of the kind of life that I had to lead as a very popular radio presenter in London. And so she was like, uh, you need to apologise to me. And, you know, we allowed you to go to this gig on uh, our time. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? It wasn't even your gig. It was my gig. It wasn't a uh, Club Asia radio gig. I wasn't booked via you or your radio station. So don't tell me to effing apologise to you. So I just turned around and stuff. F you and walked out. <laughs> so that was my example of how I can't take power. Not because I'm an arrogant bitch. I'm not. I'm not. But I won't tolerate any kind of talking down to me like I'm a piece of shit. I did. When I was young and trying to impress the world, I would take a lot of shit in the beginning. It's again, in radio stations where they treated me like shit. But I thought, you know, it's OK. This is the work world and I'm trying to build my career in radio. And so I've got to have to tolerate this shit. So, you know, when I worked in Birmingham and Leicester, all of them treated me like shit. But I took it. And then when it came to this London one, I was like, Do you know what? Screw you. Because um, I was making waves in London and and that's I'm not talking I'm not being arrogant here I'm just letting you know my perception of how Missy's life was and what I saw and I've gone through that story with you before how Missy D's name became massive and I didn't have a clue because I was a Coventry girl just driving backwards and forwards commuting and stuff like that so in a true Missy style I started off the podcast talking about taboo subjects and I ended up talking about radio and uh, people that abuse their power 
in the work field and it's a, it's a whole massive subject that we could talk about and uh, I was talking to who is it Mina Kamari actually and she was talking about doing a round table I was like I want to do that too um, and I, I would love to have a round table of people to kind of just discuss various subjects because it's great for me to touch on subjects but sometimes it's always great to get someone's input and that is obviously hard work and you know me and every time I speak about it I, I run the other way do you know what I'm not lazy I've done I've been there done it and it sometimes to produce stuff it takes bloody ages it really does and uh, and afterwards you think I went through all of that all of that got the people booked the people synced their diaries got them on recorded the show edited the show made it all look good and sound good then put it out <clears throat> and that took me the a good part of two weeks and it's a little bit like um the other week i did a barbecue for my sister and brother-in-law is their 10th wedding anniversary and i kept asking like everyone like what should i do like are we, we want to like do dinner for them for them to come around shall i cook indian food like my Pakistani chicken curry, oh my God, to die for. Should I make them Thai, Chinese, lasagna? Should we get a takeaway? Should we go to this really new posh restaurant that my cousin Amun told me about to go? Uh, or shall I do a barbecue? And <laughs> as soon as I said barbecue, my eyes went ding, ding. So I did the barbecue. But do you know what? It doesn't matter which one I did, bar, the takeaway or the restaurant, the, any of the home ones... Uh, my sister I messaged her I was like listen I know mum wants to keep this a surprise for you but just tell me which one do you want and she went yeah barbecue's good but like don't go overboard I was like god you're, you're talking to me how can I I'm, it's not going overboard for me it's normal to cook tandoori chicken wings Mexican chicken thighs uh, lamb kebab halloumi sweet corn salad and uh, burgers and sausages for five humans of which four are adults and one is a toddler <laughs> or a is he a child now my sister keeps calling him a toddler he's four our little Shayan, but he can eat like an adult he's like mimi i want another sausage mimi want another sausage he managed to have three sausages <laughs> and he's only four point i'm trying to make is it took me three days to make that barbecue day one uh thursday was it I cleaned the entire garden to make it look good because it was oh god you know in this summer that we've just had what it's every summer isn't it you get those little orange seedy things that come through the windows into the house and all over your garden and kind of gather everywhere so i cleaned that all up the gardener came right so that was day one day two i went to marks and spencers i went to uh tesco's and i went to the indian shop to get all the bits for the barbecue that evening i marinated the two types of chickens and i i made the kebab meat but i didn't make it into actual kebabs until saturday morning saturday then i sorted out the chilia which is the sweet corn which was, was a boom 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 bastic amazing um and then i did the halloumi prep salad prep on saturday so imagine you just all for, for for 20 minutes of barbecue 20 minutes of eating three days of prep and i don't normally shy away from hard work but i just sometimes think it's just way too much because i'm not saying my my sister and brother-in-law didn't appreciate it but and you don't do things for appreciation but jesus christ afterwards you just sit there and you think what the fuck why did i just spend 
three days prepping for 40 minutes. Oh my God. Honestly, I was going to, <laughs> I was going to compare that to something else, but I'm not going there today. I'm not. <laughs> so the same thing it would be with the round table or, you know, you get a group, a bunch of people on Zoom and get a debate on, oh my God, it, it would be amazing to do. But have I got that kind of time to input into that? Not really, because I didn't get paid to do this podcast. It's my podcast. Uh, it's I have to pay. I have to pay a platform, Podbean, to put this podcast out, uh, which makes make my life quite easy. I mean, I could, I could do it independently, but that's a lot more costly for me to get my own server, uh, to update my website, uh, to have various platforms to put it on. Because I, once I see, I do my podcast I'll put it onto the back end of Podbean and then that just because I've subscribed to all the platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, everything, everything. You know, you can hear this globally on so many podcast platforms. It does it all for me. So it's just less headache. I don't know how much I pay, actually. I think I paid for the year. I think it's like one hundred and twenty five dollars or something like that. Why is it always in dollars? I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? But I guess it's how much dedicated you are to the cause and i'm always dedicated to the cause and i always give everything my 155 percent um and that always sometimes works against me because i knacker myself out and then i feel a little bit like gosh all of that for that <laughs> do you know what i mean but whatever that is i will make sure it's the best ever like every, all of my efforts and love and passion go into it if you know what I mean so well they really <laughs> enjoyed it so anyway today was supposed to be about talking about taboo subjects so why have I started talking about two taboo subjects because recently not re well yeah recently over the past year I would say year or so it's been big listening to mental health right but mental health in the South Asian community according to to social media and society us asians south asians do not i i'm saying south asians because it gets all confusing isn't it if someone's listening now in america they will put asians in the category um as uh chinese taiwanese vietnamese japanese that that is what you call an asian in america it gets so confusing in america i swear to god <laughs> like i remember i'm diversifying diverse I'm diversing again, diversifying again, but that's me. This is the Journal of Missy D 3.0 and it is a, it's a virtual brain dump really. So I'm, I do apologize, but let me go back to America, right? Just really quickly. Then I'll come back to taboo subjects, right? So, so in, in America, I remember I worked in a tomato factory. My nanny, she worked there for years. Del Monte. Do you remember Del Monte? I mean, what do you mean, do you remember? It's still going. But it was big in those days. And she used used to work in the Del Monte uh, peach factory. So she used to can in a cannery. They called them canneries. And in the cannery, they the chopped peaches come down the conveyor belt. And you have to pick out the... Um, the bad peaches and you do like a surveillance of what's going on in front of you. Uh, Nanny then got me a job when I left university in, in America her, in a different cannery, which was tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes in America. And uh, I went to the tomato factory and it, I, I quit after two days. One day 
I tell a lie. I lasted one day. I lasted two days in McDonald's in England, I think. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. <laughs> oh, well, I'll talk to, to you about that in another day. But, um, <laughs> tomato factory, yeah? So, <laughs> I'm there and I was on top of the stairs and the conveyor belt is going one way and there's little bits of tomatoes everywhere. And your job is to pick out the green ones and the ones with the little pith things on them or any like defected tomatoes, chuck them out and put them in this little bin thing. So, so I did that and then it was like break time and uh, uh, sitting in the break room, most people, there's a lot, massive community of uh, Hispanics in America. It's big and Mexicans. So I'm sitting there having my lunch and she goes, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh, uh, um, no Spanish, no Espanol, uh, English. Ah, well, where are you from? And I'm like, England. And she went, ah. And they kept looking like, but she looks a Spanish. <laughs> she looks a Mexican. Uh, so <laughs> they just couldn't work out what I was. And I kept going, um, I'm British, but I'm Indian, British, Asian, Indian. And then they thought she's a red Indian. And then you went Asian and they went, but you're not Chinese. You're not Taiwanese. You're not Japanese. You're not Asian. <laughs> oh, my good God. So when you are in, in America, it's like if, if you say you're Indian, they think you're bloody red Indian. It's bloody mental, man. So now I guess they've come up with this uh, term South Asian it's a bloody nightmare trying to describe who you are. Why can't we just say I'm human? Hello, my name is Ritu and I am human. It can be that simple. It really, really can. Because all of us, we are sheep of the same cloth. We are cut of the same cloth. We are the same consciousness. We are all the same vibrations, vibrating at similar frequencies. But when is anyone going to ever understand that? They are not. They want to break us all up into categories, subcategories and even further categories. Uh, so everything gets broken down in this world and it just turns to shit. <laughs> That's my my view on humanity because uh, humanity, honestly, it just gets on my nerves. It really does. So, yeah, <clears throat> being South Asian, you have to be very clear about who you are, especially in America or for American listeners. So I'm South Asian, darlings, which means uh, I'm born in England mum and dad born in india so therefore i'm british asian so in england we are asian it's so confusing oh my god so we're talking about south asian communities yeah and not being able to talk about mental health why because our parents um have uh, been brought up by their parents their generation that we do not talk about uh something being wrong with us within our homes now if someone is not well and you know they they have a mental health issue then we are not to go out to the world and tell them that someone in our family is not well we're just going to say oh well they're not well they'll be okay and not talk about it it's it, it, it burns the cells of my brains it really does and, and not just uh mental health you know suicide if, if people talk about suicide, they call it a taboo subject. Why is it a fucking taboo subject? Someone has been in so much pain, so much pain and and calling out for help. Sometimes, sometimes not whatever. But the reason they've taken their life 
is a big deal. You know, I've often thought about it. Would you take your own life? And I don't think I would have the balls to. I don't think I'm, I'm that way inclined. You can think I, that I can't say that I haven't sat here and thought, Jesus Christ, I want my life to end. Uh, but that's like the easy way out. Like, I'm like, I know I don't believe in you, God, but if you are a God and you do pe- take people's lives, could you just like take my life and give my life to someone else that actually wants it? Because it really incenses me. Like when you see all this death around you, where innocent people have died or lives are needed and required um, in, in, in families' lives. And, and then they're just dying out of nowhere for no reason. You know, sometimes like I think there was quite a few years ago um, and it, it was quite big, actually, that teenagers were just literally having heart attacks as they would. Um, I don't know what there was a name for it. Uh, there was one in Coventry, actually. They were uh, doing some kind of sport in the middle of their sports. They collapsed, died literally in the middle of running. It was just crazy and completely healthy. Um, there was a terminology uh, for, for stuff like that. But, you know, so, you know, why is it taboo? that we can't speak about suicide within South Asian communities. Why? Because we're conditioned. We are conditioned from generation to generation to generation. What does mean? What will people say? I have grown up with that terminology in my life from my mother, who will hate you, me telling you that. But it's true. And she doesn't think it's a bad thing. Because if you listen to the podcast before this one, Double Trouble Mum and Me, Let's Talk About, is what the title is of that podcast. Constantly, I'm questioning her about certain things. And she will say, well, it is the way that I have been brought up. It is how I have been taught. It is what my parents have taught me. It is what society taught me. It is the thing that we were told. And that's exactly what they then taught us, their children. And there are people in my generation that are still teaching the same thing to their children. And that chain will never be broken. It is a weakening because there is a whole group of people out there that are trying to change things for the better. They are now starting to talk about mental health awareness in the South Asian communities. They are now talking about awareness about suicide in the South Asian communities because it's really sadly say sometimes a South Asian person may have committed suicide, their family are going to cover it up, most likely, and say, oh, well, it wasn't suicide. They died of this, 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 to avoid embarrassment. I mean, what's the embarrassment going to do for you? Fuck me. I mean, this person has just killed themselves because they're in immense pain. You would only kill yourself if you couldn't see any other way out in your life and you just want it all to end and there's nothing more that you want for the pain to end and the only way that you can see it ending is by you ending your own life is how I can imagine it because I've not really been in that situation like I said I have asked for mukti and mukti means the end (laughs) because sometimes I do get fed up of my lungs not now though it was it was back in those days you know in the um gone into the darkness days and ground zero days truly truly i would have happily jumped in front of a train not physically in my brain i would have would i physically have done it well you know shrinky friend knows even though i said it i wouldn't have done it but even if i said it it was a big deal for her because you must take it very seriously when someone speaks about, you know, I, I want to jump in front of a train. They're not just saying it for fun. They're saying it because they are in pain and they want to jump in front of that train. And I said that deliberately because that rhymed. <laughs> but it's it's 
I mean, I'm sitting here on my soapbox going, this is incensing, but something really needs to be done, right? So, I mean, how we, how can you tell me, how are we going to educate these people? Are you with me on this one? Do we need to change people's sorch? Sorch meaning their thinking we do. We need to stop this. We, you know, I was just talking to another friend and again, same, same thing, uh, talking about baby loss. Baby, uh, uh, South Asians don't speak about baby loss. Baby loss is a taboo subject within the South Asian community. It's really sad, isn't it? I mean, they do this um, this this ceremony thing, right? I don't want to give too much away because it's not my place to say. But they do it once a year, and it's a beautiful thing where they get lanterns, and and they and they light lanterns, and they put it into this beautiful lake, and uh, to remember those babies that they have lost. And she says, in attendance are hundreds of people. How many South Asians? Not even a handful. Because number one. They don't want to talk about baby loss. They just sweep it under the carpet. Number two, they don't want to show the world that I'm remembering the baby that I've lost. And how sad is that? Because a, a, a lost baby for me is a an important person. That person was here, whether they were in embryo state, whether they had come full term, whether they had uh, passed away you know, um, older. So like just now, actually last week, my, you know, my cousin Ram, my first cousin Ram, they are very close cousins to a family who I grew up with actually, because as you know, I grew up with Ram in uh, Bexley Heath. Well, actually they live in Barnhurst, but I will say Bexley Heath because it's easier. A lot of people know Bexley Heath rather than Barnhurst. And these people live near them very well-known people and there was uh one two three four five kids and we'd always hang out with them and stuff and this was in the 80s 70s 70s 80s and one was a, a twin and one 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 of the twins died last week and even sadder for me per, um, um, on a personal note for me he had a lung condition so that kind of ooh. <clears throat> brought it home for me that you just never know because uh it's very close to home but he he had weak lungs um and according to ram he didn't really suffer much with it he had it under control like i mean if you see me around you probably won't think that i'm suffering from a lung disease because I'm wearing my oxygen less and less. I, and the only time you'll see it is if I'm really overdoing it, going up a hill, going up some stairs or trying to lift carrier bags full of shopping or something like that. Right. Otherwise, you'll think, oh, God, what's wrong with her? Why is she pretending to be disabled? <laughs> so that kind of thing. He just carried on with it. And then unfortunately, his lungs took his life at the tender age of 44. Do you know what I mean? So. That's what I mean, like uh, baby loss for older children, because his mum and dad are in bits, 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 bits. And even though he was 44, that was still their child. Who wants to bury a child? No matter what age they are, no matter what age. We all know that as a parent, not, not, I'm, 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 not, I'm not a parent, unfortunately. Um, but imagine any parent having to bury their child at any age. It's heartbreaking at all ages do you know what i mean but then the south asian communities 
don't want to talk about it. It's it's mental. I mean, I do believe, I think back in the day, uh, when cancer just started coming around, because when in my in, day, in my days of 70s and 80s, I don't think the cancer word existed. It wasn't big then. But as we have started ruining the world with all sorts of chemicals and all sorts of things and all sorts of disgusting food out there, as they called food, uh, but it's not as processed shit. Um, it's ruined us. It really hasn't. That's that is where cancer is now being activated because cancer is in, in all of our cells. We've all got cancer in our body, all of us. But depending uh, on lifestyles and and how we are and how we react, the cancer cells get activated. And also, you know, through stress and emotions and all of that, all of that business. Right. So so when Asian South Asian people, the community started getting cancer again, it became a taboo subject. They wouldn't even tell you that they'd had cancer. They were just like, oh, bamada. That's in Punjabi meaning they're ill. But they wouldn't say cancer because they found it embarrassing that, oh my God, how come she's got cancer? She's become untouchable or he's become untouchable. He's weird because he's got cancer. That doesn't happen within our Asian community. I mean, who gets cancer within Asian communities? It's fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry for swearing, but it absolutely is. What other taboo subjects were there? Um, there's the the baby loss. Gosh, obviously you got the usual ones, didn't you? You got the usual sex taboo subject, homosexuality taboo subject. God, it's just really sad that in in this day and age that we are still walking around with a word taboo. And I actually googled taboo. Where's my thing? Where is it? Taboo, taboo, taboo. And I was trying to work out. Oh, oh actually, here's a here's an article before I tell you. Oh, no, let me tell you actually uh, what taboo means. Let me go back. Meaning of taboo in English: a social or religious custom, a social or religious custom prohibiting or restricting a particular practice or forbidding association with a particular person, place, or thing. I.e., many taboos have de- developed around physical exposure so go back to the beginning of that a social or religious custom prohibiting is going back to religion it's going back to how religion ruins the world i'm sorry if you don't agree with me but it's it's my opinion um it's it's how religion really pollutes people's minds and controls people so it's kind of telling you and it here says so a social or religious custom so um also it's social conditioning some dickhead somewhere has said right like that one was about one no not exposing yourself wearing clothes that are revealing so if you go back to the days of bollywood it was taboo for uh, dimple kabardia in the film sagar to wear a bikini when she was doing sagar ginare remember that yeah yeah she wore that bikini 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 and everyone was up in arms. So, oh my God, Dimple, she wore a bikini. Why is she exposing her boobs and a panani to the world? I call it panani. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> you, you, you lady bits. <laughs> uh, please do let me know what you what you call it. But yeah, so why is it a fucking taboo subject? Because some dickhead down the road, I've known some stupid century... It is not done for women's to not wear uh, revealing clothes. They must cover up. Shut up. Shut up. Honestly, uh, and 
I could take it a step further, but I don't want to get into religious debate or offend any religion. But there's so many religions with so really stupid, stupid taboo things. It really gets on my nerves. It really bloody, it bloody does. I said this taboo shit is made up by religions or someone somewhere. And all of a sudden we've made it into a thing. And we have now got to unthing it. We have to collectively as humans in today's society with a head screwed on say listen it is not taboo talking about domestic violence and you know you're getting beaten up by a drunk husband or partner and um, you have to sit there and suffer in silence why the fuck is it taboo go out there and tell someone that you are in this in this relationship where you are getting abused in all sorts of ways and don't be ashamed of it nothing to be ashamed of you're not doing anything some twat out there is 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 ruining your life by trying to um kill you by trying to beat you by trying to manipulate you get out of there i know it's easy to say get out of there but come off it man don't let any human uh, overtake your life or 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 take the power over your life because it's you've got the power you've got the power to to take care control of your life okay i know it's not easy but what i'm saying is it's because we it's unspoken and and that's just not in, in just south asian communities that's in most communities when you know poor women and even men i i actually know of people that um actually i know one person who whose mum and i i've seen it with my own eyes to be honest with you um her mum was very violent towards her fa- my friend's father and so she used to be violent yeah violent towards him and that's even more taboo so men uh being um beaten up by their wives or being mentally tortured by their wives it's a thing but oh my god why would a man speak about this because men are supposed to be macho you know and men don't talk about their mental health and men don't cry because it's that stupid thing even my sister still says it to her boy and it really pisses me off you know you are brave you're a brave boy boys don't cry come off it man i know it's just a a saying that you've picked up but um it really has a massive effect on a child's upbringing and the the future of their lives to what are the two taboo subjects are there sex before marriage having sex having boyfriends and girlfriends um be- becoming homosexual being bisexual what the fuck what is it who, who who made this shit up someone has it's not that god this god that made this world who knows who made this world right someone somewhere said god has made this world but where's the proof i see no proof you show me videos you show me proof you show me proper proof i'll believe there's a god that made this world yeah but then god didn't send down this manual and say look listen women can't show their boobs in public but men can men can walk around in a tiny weenie gotcha shorts um with their flip-flops on with a bare chest showing their nipples that's okay but women no 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 you can't walk around the streets like I've just seen in the last 10 days in this heat wave, all these naked men, you can't walk around uh, without your bra on and, and, and you know, showing your bits. No, 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 you can't do that. But who, who, who made that rule up? It wasn't God. I'll tell you that for free. It wasn't God and it, it wasn't God's manual. It's some dickhead down somewhere in some century that made that shit up, you know. And then someone's made up the rule. I don't know. Uh, women are the women uh, it's their job to cook and clean and look after the man 
Who made that fucking rule up? It wasn't God. I tell you that for free. God didn't make up the rule that, you know, men have the right to beat up women and women just need to be obedient. God didn't make that rule up. So how's it a taboo subject? Really? Do you know where I'm going with this? I can keep going. You know, who? Okay, one thing I probably could believe in if we're going about going uh, to God and uh, reproduction is is vital to for the population of the world. Right. We've all been sent with our bits. And the only reason a woman has a vagina and a man has a penis is because they have to reproduce to bring more offspring into this world so that they can grow up and they can reproduce and then the world and population goes on so that reproduction in our terms in this world is called sex and but oh my god can we talk about sex in the south asian community no can we talk about uh, watching sex on tv with our parents no why can't we talk about that kind of shit why what the f but it's the most important and most vital thing ever for this world to continue in in the terms of evolution right am i making any sense i don't know but that that's my 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 little bit on taboo subjects and there's so many taboo subjects out there that we could uh, talk about um i've probably missed off loads but look i just googled earlier actually um there was like an article here what and that's in the guardian oh where is it duh, 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 duh. oh no that was the wrong one why have we got a cremations thing on here? It was just here. Now I've lost it. Oh, gosh. That's not good. Oh, no. In this one? No. Ah, yeah. See? Taboo. Taboo stops South Asian people in UK seeking help for dementia. Thousands of South Asian people living with dementia in the UK are being denied access to help and support because stigma and taboo deter them from getting diagnosed, a charity has warned. People from South Asian communities are more likely to develop dementia than the general UK population due to being at high risk of their illnesses such as heart disease, stroke and diabetes. However, the Alzheimer's Society says they are less likely to come forward with stigma and taboo among friends and family being the biggest barrier to seeking a diagnosis. Fear of embarrassment and misunderstanding in South Asian communities is stopping those with dementia seeking help. I rest my case. That's That kind of uh, is... Basically, you could basically replace the dementia, dementia, dementia with the subjects I've just talked about. And is I think it's a very, very sad, very sad thing that lots of things that we need to speak about are being made taboo subjects. And there are so many people out there fighting for their causes to make it a not a taboo subject. You know, like the basics of LGBTQ, they're going out there, going like we, we count. And there are lots of people out there doing their thing. I know of two people recently who are big on speaking openly about baby loss. Um, and more people need to come out to speak about it. That it's normal for, for it's normal uh, to have baby loss, but it's not normal to dig it, to dig it away in a deep hole and just pretend it never happened. We need to talk about it to make others feel like they have not done something wrong and it's something to be ashamed of. You know, same with mental health, same with um, uh, homosexuality, same with sex, same with everything, everything. Oh, my good God. It's just too much dementia, um, cancer. 
I'm going to shut up now. I have a really bad habit of going on. And uh, as you know, <laughs> somehow, though, you keep coming back for more. So thank you for listening to me and our taboo subject round today. And if you can think of any others, then please let me know. And maybe I can make a list of them or all of them and we can start talking about them. And if I have to, I will kind of get guests on and, and we can all just talk about it as just ordinary people talking about extraordinary things like taboo subjects pathetic i'd love to find all these people right that sat and made these rules because i tell you for free unless you can like say no missy this is the person that said that this this should be like this but i tell you what some bored old twat because it would have been a man not a woman it would have been a man sitting in some place somewhere saying i rule the school here and i will declare that this is what's going to happen i declare women will cover everything all their body and men you can do what the fuck you want <laughs> you know <laughs> i declare that white skin is superior to brown and black skin shut up oh i'll catch you later Missy D.